Okay, if you open your Bible to the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 17, this is one of the most famous sections in the book of Acts, certainly, and I would say in all the New Testament. It's Paul's Mars Hill Discourse. Uh, you've heard it called the Areopagus, that's from verse 19, which is Greek for Mars Hill. So, you know, however you call it, that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. There's a big, big debate. I'll let you know that right off the bat. And I'll, I will certainly not be shy about telling you which side of the debate I stand. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your holy word, we absolutely believe it's your word. We believe you can use it to speak to us. And we pray that you'd speak to us here this morning and that you'd be glorified in the the ministration of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And it kind of starts at, um, I'm going to just kind of get us caught up. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now they had passed to Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. So he preaches there for three Sabbaths in a row at Thessalonica. And then he's run out of town because there are people who oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I know that's hard for you to picture in your mind, people opposing the gospel. And by the way, while I'm there, you guys like hear the news and stuff? I mean, do you follow like what's going on? Brace for impact. I thought, I thought the last election it would slow down a little bit. It kind of did for like a few seconds, and they caught themselves, and now the, it's full court press. Uh, a few things, you know, uh, the vice president's wife, what's her Pence, what's her first name? Susan? S- Sally? I don't, can't remember. Mrs. What is it? Helen? Ellen. Okay. I, <laughs> the vice president's wife, she was teaching at a, a private Christian school where, you know, part of the bylaws, the rules were like they were, you know, they have, they think that homosexuality is a sin. <gasps> Disgraceful. How, how diabolical of them. How, and that been getting a lot of pushback. How dare she teach at a Christian school that doesn't embrace homosexuality. Listen, it's not live and let live. It never really was. They are out to change your mind. They are going to shout you down. They are going to persecute you. Lady Gaga came out. And by the way, when I want theology, I go right to Lady Gaga, right? I mean, we're looking at great Christians throughout the ages. There's Mary, there's Paul the Apostle, Billy Graham and Lady Gaga. That's, that's, that's my big four, right? I, I just want to listen to what she has to say all the time about the things of God. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I, if I saw a picture, I don't even know if I'd recognize her. Once I heard her sing, uh, sing the Star Spangled Banner about three years ago at the Super Bowl, and I was here, and I was on the way home, and I heard it, and I thought, oh, that was very good, very respectful. I, I thought she had a good voice. That's all I know about her. Really, I'm not a follower, you know what I mean? When she starts telling us how to live our Christian life, it's like, what do you know? What, do you, what, what book, chapter, and verse are you reading from? So she came out and she attacked, like, you know, the vice president, and how dare him, and how dare his wife. I'm telling you, the, the, the fact that people have been against Christianity, that's not new. It's kind of new to us. 
I mean, I've always taken some guff for it since I've been saved. And, and that's, we know that. It goes with the territory. But now it's getting institutionalized. People used to have a respect for the things of God. Here in, I don't think in my life this has ever been a Christian nation. But at least I've had, I don't know a better word than respect. And that is going out the window fast. And I'm just saying, brace for impact. It's, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be easy to compromise, and it's going to be very, very hard to stand firm in the things of God. Just, okay. So Thessalonica, they chase him out of town because that's how they're doing. And, and so he, he leaves, and he goes to this place called Berea. And you remember, they're real noble in Berea. They check in, they're open-minded. They have a ready, okay, Paul, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm receiving this. I get it. Now we go home, and we check the scriptures, and we see if these things are like you say that they are. That is, here, the word is noble. It just means open-minded, but I think there's a nobility about that. I don't think there's a nobility in, in, in colleges and universities in America right now. We don't want to hear the opposition. What happened to free speech? I mean, our college campuses were famous for that in the 60s, you know. Free speech just meant swearing into a microphone. But God bless them. At least they had that, at least they could do. I believe in free speech. I'm an American. I believe in free speech. They don't have to agree with me to have free speech. It's not like... I, I sanction what you're saying, I agree, so therefore you get to say it. No, you get to say it. That's the way it, it works. Whether I like it or whether I don't, that, that, that's okay. But it's okay in the other direction, too. It has to be. You know, can't we? You know, now, I, I just noticed, like I say, I watch news, now it's like, you know, three or four seconds of discussion, and then, well, I don't see it that way, and they go right into name-calling. I, I, I'm a racist, I'm a homophobe, I'm an Islamophobe, and I'm every other phobe they, they think I am. And I'm just like, really? Name-calling? Hmm. Uh, the first time I heard homophobe, I thought, like, I'm not afraid of homosexual people. I'm not, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not a, I, I, don't, I don't have fear of man issues. Oh, no, it's not that you're afraid of homosexuals. You're afraid that you are a homosexual. I said, oh, oh, great. Now I get it. My life is all clear to me. Thank you for clearing that up. Appreciate that. Really? That's all you got? Name calling? You want to want to discuss it? Have some ideas here? Some dialogue? Because I'm good with that. And it'll be a long, long time before I call you a name. Anyway. So they they are they're noble. They're listening. They're they're uh, they're saying, okay, what is this all about? And then they got he gets chased out of Thessalonica here, uh, verse thirteen. When the uh, I mean uh, he gets chased out of Berea by the men of Thessalonica. And by the way, that's that's 50 miles away. That's notable persecution. I'm chasing. You, you walk from here to Bangor, I mean, because there was no automobiles, right, to persecute somebody who doesn't agree with you. That's, that's notable. That's, when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached uh, of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go... Uh, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So here he's off to Athens, okay? The cultural center of the world still to a very large degree. Now, Athens had seen, you know, 
Plato and Aristotle and Archimedes, and there's plenty of Greek philosopher dead guys with long and unpronounceable names. They were the height of culture. It's past that time at this time, but it was still a notable center of culture, refinement, politics. And they had these uh, quirky things we'll read about here, because we'll, uh, from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, we'll, hopefully this is where we'll be today, now, and we'll finish it all. Now, while Paul waited... For them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I hope your spirit is stirred like my spirit is stirred when I see a, a culture wholly given to idolatry. Now, I wish I could illustrate that. I can't think of a, a place or something that is idolatrous. Uh, well, uh, I don't know, maybe America a little bit. Listen, uh, people... I think, you know, we're, listen, we're in the 21st century in America. We don't, we, we don't do idols. I mean, I never see a guy with a, you know, a, a little carved block of wood that he built and bowed down to it. Thou art my God and burn incense. That doesn't happen anymore. Well, uh, granted, it doesn't happen like that. But let's not kid ourselves. An idol or an image is just that, an image. Whether it's a mental image or we make it three-dimensional out of wood or metal or gold or whatever, it's, it's still an image. I can't tell you how many times over the year, and I can't tell you how many times you can tell me when you've spoken to somebody, and, yeah, I believe in God, and then they tell you the God of their invented invention, the God of their imagination, the God they imagined, their image. And it's an idol. He's basically cool with everything I do, and he's kind of groovy, and he's not really mad at sin or anything, if he exists at all. And, he's, and, and we, we prefabricate our gods. We, we build our own god, and we say, you know, oh, yeah, God's this and God's that, and he's none of the things. He's, he's never holy. He's never righteous. He's not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's kind of a benevolent grampy, maybe. I don't know. And that's... And you can't challenge me because I'm an American and I have the right to believe that. Yeah, you have the right to believe that. And we'll use the word right, but doesn't make it right, correct. And God doesn't like, oh, you're an American? Okay, you're, I don't judge you. You go right to wherever you want to be because you're an American, right? We don't, the rules are suspended of reality because you have rights. You have the right to believe anything you want, but you don't have the right to, to select the result of your beliefs. Does that make sense? God says, these are the rules. And we say, well, we're going to rewrite the rules. He says, mm, not so much. And we make gods of everything. We have gods for, you know, money and wealth, the American dream, right? That's what we're all after. We want things. We want a nice house, nice car, fame. We want many followers on, on tw- our Twitter account. We want everyone to uh, think we're really important and our words matter. We, we definitely want health, wealth, security, fame, prominence. These are all our idols. We make idols out of movie stars, uh, television stars, uh, sports. Forget it. I, listen, I've been to Boston Garden, okay? That's a shrine. <laughs> and some would argue maybe it should be. I, I ain't going there. Don't tell me you don't. I, I, I see things. I saw religious fervor happen there. I've been, in, I've been a part of it to one degree or another. I, I, I was 
at the seminar yesterday, a guy was talking about sports and how he made it into an idol and stuff like that. Listen, I, I, gotta, I, I confess, and I've said it in the past, I'm a baseball guy who watched 162 games a year, and they were on the left coast. I'd stay up to the wee hours in the morning watching them. I don't do that anymore. But I mean, and my wife, there's never an off season, you know, because they all go over, you know. Uh, so we're, you know, we're fall, finishing up uh, football season, you know, next week. Big game, I heard. I don't know. Uh, there's a, but there's a, but the, but the hockey's going on right now. Basketball's going on. Before they, those are over, baseball's going to start. You know, it's always something, right? My wife, she never could get a word in edgewise. I'm, I'm watching a sport, you know. I'm always, always, but not anymore, not anymore. So Paul is, he's, he's, he's at this place, and, and he's sorry. It's all given over to idolatry. I would suggest this. The idol in your life is the most important thing, what you're driving, what your, your motivation, what you're, what's central to your life. It's your idol. Oh, it's the kids. I love the kids. It's all about the kids and getting the kids here to go in there. And so we make idols out of our children all the time. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying getting them to their soccer practices. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if the, your kids are the most important things in your life, that, by the way, that's kind of bad. When they're out and it's just you and the missus, and we see this, this dramatic rise of divorce when the kids leave. Well, the first 30 years are the toughest, right? After that, it should be kind of easy. No, we, the kids are out, and it's all been all about the kids. And we look at each other like, who are you, anyway? And we, it was never about us, and it was always about them. And now they're gone, and we don't even know who this other person is. And we, we're having real problems because our whole life evolved around the kids. Or it's our job, right? You know, it's all about the job. And it's all about, you know, the next big sale, the next big client, the next big, I got to prove myself. I got to, you know, get the promotion, the corner office, more salary. Uh, and I'm not saying working hard is, is wrong. See, all these things, these, these things, these idols are usually a good thing pushed up to the level of a God thing, and then they become a bad thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't suggest you don't love your children. I'm not even going to even pretend that I'm saying that. But when the, our kids are the center of our whole universe, that's, that's too much. We've gone too far. So what is the center of the universe? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, or it's an idol, okay? That's, that's all I'm, I, 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 I can't say it any, any plainer than that, and it's supposed to be. Our, our, our center of worship, our focus is supposed to be our God. Now, here's a city all given over to idolatry, and Paul is grieved in his spirit. And I'm thinking, I'm feeling you, Paul, because I know a lot of you feel the same way. It's like you're living your whole life for something that when you're dead, you're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, uh, you don't get a redo. You missed. Swing and a miss. You missed the whole point. And I don't say that with, I say that with grief. I don't know how else to Said. Therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them that met with him. So he's over talking to this one, talking to that one, meeting with ones, discussing. Disputing here means like it would be, dispute. Um, lively debate. Not, you know, we, we have debate in America here and it's not the same thing, I don't think. We can talk and exchange ideas. Maybe sometimes it gets a little loud and sometimes it gets animated because these are things that are near and dear to our hearts. But we don't debate people in the kingdom, okay? We, we don't, my points are better than your points. Your points aren't as refined as, as mine. And so then you say, oh, I see, I, 
I, I give in to, it didn't happen that way with me. And I just think like, I've been in debates with people that have won, and then they think I'm a jerk, and they don't accept Christ. You can win the battle and lose the war. And I don't think debate is the debate. We're discussing, we're talking. We're, this, is a, this is a fellow person who's creating the image of God, and he's on the wrong track. He's going to hell. I'm going to heaven. And I'd like to share with him how to go to heaven. That's the whole thing. I'm a, a holier than thou? Not at all. I'm a beggar who found bread. Hey, I know where there's bread. You're a beggar too. Let's go get some bread. I'll tell you where it is. I'm not holding out on you. Oh, you don't know about bread. Okay, whatever. And see, that's how it... But if you have that attitude, like, you know, I, I'm superior. I know this. You don't know this. And I don't think... People don't care what you know. Or they know how much you care. If, 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 if I'm just trying to win a debate with you, I think people sense that. If I love you and I'm trying to reach out and, you know, you're in a mess, why don't you... I'll help you out. I think people sense that too. Here he's talking with people, he's meeting with them. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him and said, what will this babbler say? Others said, he seemeth to be a set of forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, we have Epicureans and we have Stoics. Epicureans, you know we say, you know, like we talk about Epicureans, someone who likes food. It, this is people who are given over to pleasure. Again, I wish I could illustrate a culture that's given over to pleasure. No, you're just going to have to imagine one all by yourself, right? Is this America? Are we all about pleasure? You know, sex, drugs, rock and roll? It's been around as long as I have. You know, if it feels good, do it. The only thing wrong in America now is me telling you you're giving in to your sensuality is wrong. I'm a bigot and I'm intolerant. And of course, what else is there except living it up, doing the things that I think will feel good? That's an Epicurean. Stoic is kind of a pantheist. We think of Stoic, you know, when you're Stoic, you're like emotional, uh, emotionalist like Spock, you're a Stoic. Here, it's, they're pantheists, okay? They're just, everything is God, okay? And so, these are the two, we, we have pantheists today, obviously. I think the global warming crowd, if you think the earth is heating up, I'm not calling you a pantheist, please, please, Okay? I, don't come and send me angry emails. People who believe Mother Earth and we, gotta, we have a responsibility to, they kind of trend towards, okay, I'm trying to say this very delicately. You may believe that global warming is a real thing. I'm not a scientist. I, can't, I won't disavow you of the, that thing. But I see those people very often tend to be you know, Mother Earth, Gaia kind of people. There, 12 more years because <laughs> uh, junior uh, representative from New York said so that's tragic I, what's the sense let's just all give up that's kind of what I'm talking about alright it, it's all about saving the planet and stuff like this hey listen I, I want to tell you this about that I don't know if it's a thing or not I mean I'm, I'm not a scientist right I think we should be good stewards of our, you know, do you recycle? You should. I, I'm not against that. That's a, that's a reasonable thing to do, right? I don't want to be a polluter. I mean, you know, should we all just sell in our, throw away our cars and trucks and buy bicycles? Well, it doesn't kind of, our lifestyle doesn't kind of loan itself to that. It really doesn't. 
I mean, if I lived in and worked like a block away or two and I could drive my bicycle every day, I think I would just for the health benefit. But I, 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 I'm trying to say is I, I think we should save the earth too in the sense that we, where we can. I'm, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying don't be good stewards. So they said, and what would this babbler say? And this is a pejorative. It's not a, it's a seed picker, is what it is literally says. And read here, babbler. Uh, you know, hey, what, what is this guy selling? You know, is kind of the idea. And it's not, they're not saying a good thing about him. He seemed to be a, a set of forth of strange gods, because they never heard of the resurrection. And they're like, what's a, what? Resurrection? No, 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 no. When you're dead, you're dead. Resurrection. There's Christians who don't believe in the resurrection. I don't know if I'd say that. There are people who claim to be Christians who don't believe in the resurrection. And they took him and he brought him to Areopagus, as Mars Hill, okay, saying, May we know what this new doctrine will you speakest of. For, they, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, uh, therefore, what these things mean. Hey, we not heard this before. We'll, we'll give you an audience. Go, go ahead and, you know... Open mic, go ahead and say what you've got to say. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Now we have Facebook. It's kind of the same thing. Well, it is and it isn't. But I mean, it's like, hey, what's this going on? And you get, and you get to say your thing. Twitter, same thing. Kids have kind of moved on. They're in a the Snapchat now. More, they do more Twitter. They do more Instagram. They do, but we still, you know, Facebook. A lot of people Facebook and different things, different formats, different, hey, this is it, this is me, this is what I'm doing. Well, we do it by picture or by words or by memes or whatever. And we, and we, you know, throw it out there and we discuss and we have these debates and the whole thing, right? This is pre-Facebook, okay? They had to do it in person. I like, I like doing a lot of things in person. Um, talk with somebody when you can talk with them, Okay? Uh, I'm not against emails. I'm not against texting. I've, I do both of those things. I'd rather f- talk with you on the phone if we're not right in the same room. This way I can hear the inflection in your voice. Is that important? When I'm talking to you, I get a sense of if you're receiving what I'm saying or not. Uh, I can look out over the, and, and see who's mad at me and who's not and who's leaning in and who's listening. And you can't see that, okay? I can see that. And I have a sense of that when I'm talking to you, if, if people are, like, engaged or they're far away. I, give, I have a sense of it on the phone better. But on text, I can't. And emails, I can't. I tell you something. Every time you send somebody an email, Satan's right there to help them interpret what you meant. You're saying, so emails are bad? I'm not saying that. I mean, Paul wrote letters. That was the email of his day, right? Um, Person to person, you know, you know, I, I, I heard something a couple weeks ago. People's facial expression is the same all over the earth. When people are afraid, even people have never like seen white people. When they're afraid, they look afraid. Like you'd, you'd know if you looked at them that they were afraid. Isn't that incredible? It tells me we're all created in the image of God. You know, it, it all looks the same. It's not just like uh, we're in America and we all watch the same TV shows and so we learn how to talk the same, act the same, and we get the same kind of culture from that. No, it it's, it's kind of seems like a universal thing. And I think being and talking with somebody is, is a good thing. Now, we have Facebook and stuff like that, and we're not, it's not going away, and I can rail against and say it's a horrible thing. I don't think it's a horrible thing. I think sometimes we use it ineffectively. But, they, but, they, but here they're... 
They're, on, they're online all the time, but they're online is at Mars Hill. They spent their time in nothing else but either tell it or hear some new thing. So what's going on? What's the new thing? What's the latest thing? Oh, is that a thing? I didn't, thought that, I didn't think that was a thing anymore. And here they are, and they're all talking about the latest, the greatest, the newest, the most innovative. I don't know. It seems to me that's, we, we know what that's like all about. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. This is it. Paul's address. It's only a few, te- it's only a few uh, verses. This is his, to some people, this is Paul. This is, this is the master. This is, this is the, he doesn't get better than this. This is his sin qua non. This is his magium opus. His, his Paul at his finest. This is, because it's none of those things. Uh, I think his wisdom, his intellect shows through, but I'm not saying that's always a good thing. Um, some people say, uh, swing in a mess, and I would be one of those people who say that. And let me just make our case, so let's go by. I don't disagree with anything he says. I don't disagree with anything he says. He doesn't say anything here that's not true, okay? So we'll, go, we'll, we'll presume that he knows what he's talking about, and he does. Paul stood in the midst of Mazel and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that you are in all things too superstitious. He's saying you're too religious is basically what he's saying. Is he using that as a pejorative? Let's talk about religion for a second. I don't think he's insulting his audience. It's not very smart to do that. Hey, you bunch of dummies. Now you're going to listen to what I say after that, right? It's, it's, in his day, he, he's an orator. He knows how to talk. I never claim that. I teach the Bible somewhat, okay? And I do a halfway... I, I agree with him. I, I, I say I'm not a speaker. And maybe you notice that. He is. Uh, he knows how to, he, he's been trained in this. So the first thing he's, he's saying, you know, you guys are really religiously zealous. You're like true believers. And, it, and he's not saying that's a bad thing. If you call me religious, eh, it's a kind of funny word. It's kind of loaded. I was religious and I was going to hell. Now I'm not religious, I'm going to heaven. So what do you make of that? People say Christianity's religion. Yeah, you can interpret it that way. I know that. And people say, hey, I understand you're real religious. And I would say something like, I'm not real religious. I just love the Lord. And I don't know that always got across to them what I was trying to say. And I would say like, well, I'm not real religious. I just, I'm just like a Bible guy. I'd say something like that. And, or I'm, I, I believe, I, I'm interested in spiritual things. And I would say, you're interested in spiritual things because I'm interested in the dialogue. I'm interested in the conversation. Oh, yeah, I'm really spiritual, they'd say. Now we're on the same page again, right? Well, they're spiritual, my spiritual. So it's, it's kind of, what do you mean when you say that? I know what you're saying. I hear the words. I understand what religion means. I don't know what you mean it in this situation. Are you saying, oh, yeah, you're one of those holy roller kind of, you know. So, you know, I see a guy, come to, he, he's looking at me. He heard that I was, like, real religious. And so he looks at me, he goes like this. And I'm like, So you got to, when somebody's downloading that and they listen later, they go, what is that all about? What are they laughing at? Uh, you know, that you got so to define terms. Here he's saying, hey, you guys are real spiritual people. You're, you're real zealous about your, your religiosity and stuff like this. I, he's not saying it in a negative way, but he's not really saying it's a good thing because because he goes, he goes on to say, For I passed by and behold your devotion. So I found an altar to an un- inscription to the unknown God. There's thousands of deities and there's thousands of shrines here in Athens. It's one of the religious centers of the planet. 
And he finds one uh, inscription to the unknown God, just in case we miss one. So they had this altar to the unknown God. We don't want any. We don't want some God coming through and get offended because we don't have an altar to Him. So we'll get okay. To the one who's passing through, we don't know your name. This is your altar, okay? This is your little shrine. Whom therefore ye ignorantly... And Paul uses this, and I think it's pretty bright. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. There's thousands of temples. All of a sudden, they just crash. Boom. They're all down on the ground. He just verbally, he just said... See all this stuff, the Parthenon, you got this shrine to this one and Athena over here and this one's over here. God doesn't live in temples made with hands. By the way, you agree with that? I agree with that. You know, uh, he he never did. Uh, I know there was a temple that Solomon built. It was uh, sacked by the uh, Babylonians. It was rebuilt under Zerubbabel. The second temple, that was the one Jesus visited that was rebuilt by Herod. I mean, it was the same temple. It was... Uh, Herod was an incredible builder. He had a building project, but it was the second temple still. It was the same one Zerubbabel built. That's the one Jesus Christ occasioned several times in his ministry. So there was a time when God was at the temple... Did God live at the temple? Like if you was going to send God a postcard, you mail it to the temple, God gets it and reads it? No, does he still live in buildings made with hands? He doesn't live here. People say, you know, oh, I'm going to the house of God. Really? I don't, I don't, what verse are you talking about? Now, you are the, are the building of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. I get that. I think the, 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 the temple of God comes to this building and sanctifies it with, with your presence. I don't think there's anything holy about, we've been working on this as two by fours and particle board and sheetrock and brick, and it's not, nothing holy about it. I mean, it, it, it's, it breaks down like others. Uh, m- mice invade it sometimes. Uh, uh, I, hope not, I hope not during service a mouse runs across and people get all upset about that. Uh, you know, now it's, People looking around like, oh man, we can't have... Don't worry, mice don't bite. They just don't. Um, so, you know what I mean? It's, it's nothing holy about it. The only thing holy about this place is you. God God's, it clearly says this in his word several places. God doesn't live in a temple made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So he's saying God's the giver of life. He doesn't need you to give him life. He doesn't need you to build him. He build, he's the one, he's the creator. And he starts out with making God, talking about God as creator. He teaches different to Jews as he does to Gentiles. With Jews, he knows that they know a few things already. So he starts right out with the word of God. And teaching people that Jesus is the Lord. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He died he, 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 for our sins. He was crucified on the cross. He was buried. He resurrected from the dead for us. He doesn't start there with the Gentiles because they don't know anything. They've got to first understand that God's creator. Now, I've heard people... Uh, I was listening to one guy on YouTube, and I say his name, but it would, I, I don't disparage anybody. Anyone who's preaching, teaching, and trying hard, I don't, I'm not their judge. Some things I disagree with, some things I adamantly disagree with. And he made a statement. He said, you know, God, 
Paul doesn't use the Bible because the Bible wouldn't be anything to them. Wait, what? The Bible's the Word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to get into between our spirit and our soul. Some people don't even know that we have a spirit or a soul and that they could be divided. Well, the Word of God gets that... It separates the marrow from the bone. From the, it separates life from death. It, 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 it's living. It's powerful. It's, it's the Word of God. You don't have to believe it to, for it to have its effect. I've, I told you this before. I've been, oh, I don't believe any of that Bible stuff. And I use the Bible, and they're like, I, I see it cut to the quick. So they didn't even believe. But they're cut. And, and I say cut. I, I, I'm not using that in a sense like was actual blood or anything. I, you, you understand, they're, 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 they're pricked, their conscience is stirred by the Word of God that gives life, even though they don't believe it's the Word of God. You, you have to use the Word of God. Now Paul's saying, he's making allusions, all these things are Bible things, but he's not... When Paul's done, if you believe everything Paul if you, you let's say you're a total pagan, you agree with everything Paul said, I don't think you're born again. That's why I call it a swing and a miss. You can believe that there's a creator God. There's never a day in my life I didn't believe there was a creator God. And I was still going to hell. So here he starts out. And it's a good place to start. I'm not saying that it's not. He's not worshiping men's hands though he need anything. He's saying he gives to all life and breath and all things. He is made of one blood, all nations of men, for all to dwell on the face of the earth. And that's determined the times before a point in the bounds of the habitation. God likes borders. Just, is that saying that? Yes, it is. He, he says, you live here, you live here, you're here, you're here. They all want to, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 11, they all want to s- settle right here, build this hut. No, no, no. Spread out over the whole, oh, you don't, let me explain it to you a little bit more clearly. And now they're all over the whole world. Cause, why? Because that's what God wanted. He wanted there to be nations. He wanted there to be the people to dwell in certain parts of the earth and things like that. But he's made of one blood, all nations of men. Boom, races just went away. No basis for racism. All men, one blood. But they know that genetically now. They call uh, our common mother Eve. Well, not because they believe in Eve, because they see that we all go back to one. We all have the same. Oh, you mean the Bible's true? Imagine my surprise. We know that. Look, people say, oh, you shouldn't... um, married between the races. What races? There's only one, the human race. Oh, you mean some people have darker, more melanin, and some have less, and some have different characteristics? That's just genetics. There's no taboo in the Bible against marrying somebody who has more prominent genes of one kind or another. Nothing in Scripture that would even remotely resemble anything like that. It's called racism. It's ugly, it's horrible, it's heretical. And you have to believe God favors Europeans over everybody else. Are you... Seriously! I mean, where where would anyone come up with uh, an idea like that? Well, Darwin did. Read the na- name of his book. I gotta, it's, it's The Origin of the Species and the Struggle for Life of the Superior Races. It's, I, don't quote me on that. Look it up. That's the name of the book. We just call it The Origin of the Species. 
He's basically saying why racism is good, why the, the, the better races have kind of clawed their way to the top. Um, by the way, anyone besides me read that? It's, you should. You should. It's remarkable. And you don't have to go very far until you see his racism come out plain as day. He's a racist. Uh, uh, Hitler loved Mark, uh, loved uh, Darwin. Oh yeah, these not favored races. Let's eliminate the weak. Uh, but here, uh, the, why Paul's bringing that? Athens, we're the superior ones. By the way, Europeans, they all believe that. It was, you know, we're the cultured ones. We have art. We have uh, politics. We have, we're the cultured ones. All the other ones are barbarians. The word barbarian is a Greek word. Barbar is the way they heard them talk. They, it didn't make any sense. They call them barbarians. It's, it's like the way they, they didn't have Greek speech. They didn't have Greek culture. They didn't have refinement like us. And here Paul comes into town and says, no, we're all one. God made us that way. Uh, he's determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Um, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might find after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Is that true? Well, of course it's true, because Paul wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And we should seek the Lord. Uh, and he's not far from every one of us. That's the whole thing. I think people don't find the Lord like a bank robber doesn't find a cop. If you're not looking for the Lord, you won't find him. And if you're a sinner and you're like, I like my sin. Well, I prayed one time and God didn't answer. So, yeah, don't. He's, he's as close as you want him to be. The Bible says, God says, if you seek for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. And then the New Testament says, you know, seek and, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Uh, and this this true. Like I say, I don't think people are really seeking. They say they are. Eh. For if we live and move, for in him we live and move and, and have our being, as certain also of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So he quotes two poets, and I had them written down. Well, I, I made a note on my phone, which I left in my jacket back there, but you can look it up. Is that important to you? Not so much. His, one is, lives about 600 B.C., one lives about 300 B.C., and he quotes, he knows Greek poetry, and he quotes there, hey, you should guys should be believing this anyway. Even your own poets are saying it. It's a good point. People love this because what they're saying is Paul's building a bridge to their culture. So, hey, look, you and me, we ain't so far apart, and let's meet in the middle. Let's talk this out. Uh, does it work? Is it, is it a good thought? I don't think it's, it's bad. I'm not, like I say, I don't disagree with anything for it says. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought, need, we ought not to think that Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art a man's device. Now let's talk about the brotherhood of man because that's what he's talking about. We're all created in God's image. We're all God's children in that sense. Are we all God's children? No, God's got children going to hell then. We're not his children in the sense of it's all good. We're all just children of God, and it's all, you know. Paul, uh, Jesus taught, um, to, you remember the Pharisees said, you're of your father the devil? We're born sinful. We're born in Adam's race. We're not born children of God. We're born again as children of God. 
And by the way, that phrase, child of God, if you study that throughout the scripture, it's a direct descendant of God, like Adam is a child of God. Angels are sons of God. You, you remember like in chapter 6 where it says the sons of God and the daughters of men? That phrase, child of God, means direct descendant of God, like Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, is a child of God. You say, well, yeah, but the Bible says, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should become the children of God. Um, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Exactly. We're direct creations of God, being born again. Uh, I'm of my father and my mother. I wasn't a direct creation of God by birth. That's got to do with genetics. Did, did, was I born again and made a child of God? Yeah. A direct creation of God? Well, no, you didn't get created by God. Yes, you did. First Corinthians 5.17. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, be like a Berean. Yeah, that's a new idea, Adam. I don't think I've heard that before. Well, go check and see if it's true. Children of God, this, the phrase child of God or son of God is, means direct creation of God. And by the way, ladies, same folks, daughter of God, sons in the gener generic sense. And we're children of God by a new birth. So we're all created, created by God. We're all created in the image of God. So there's the, the universal fatherhood of God. Yeah, I get that. He's not saying... Yeah, God's our Father, so it's all good. He's not saying that, because he goes on to say, for then we are the offspring of God, and we are. We ought not to think that God has, is like gold or silver or stone, because it's not. Graven by art and man's device, we don't create God. We don't make a golden God and say, okay, you're our God, save us. We've just built it. How can it save us? It can't walk, it can't talk, it can't see, and we're saying, deliver us. He's saying, no, you've got these everywhere, but they're not helpful. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This is as close as he gets to the gospel for my money. There was a time when yeah, God was saying, yeah, okay. But now he's like, no, no, no. Forget all that. Repent. Turn from that. And here, uh, uh, repent is, 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 is good. And by the way, winked at just means overlooked, right? But now he's calling every men to repent. Now how does he say to repent? He doesn't really. Because he has appointed a day in which uh, he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof uh, he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Now he's talking about Jesus, and he says he's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is the most important thing that anyone could ever know. God's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. That's the whole basis for the judgment. You believe in Jesus? Oh, you're in. Oh, you don't? Oh, you're out. I know I say it like I'm cavalier. I, I, I'm not cavalier at all. But I hear people all the time. Oh, I believe in God. I just don't believe Jesus. Ooh, that's unfortunate. You might want to recalibrate. That's, that's deadly. He's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mechanism by which God judges, by which he saves. Jesus says, God has reserved all judgment unto me. Father, uh, Jesus, that guy, he yours? Oh, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, he's mine. He's not ashamed to call us his, his sons. That's incredible to me. I don't know about you. 
He's appointed day. He's going to judge the world in righteousness by that man which he ordained. And he goes and he goes to say that he raised him from the dead, but he skipped over the cross, I think. Now, some people say, if you just read down through this, I mean, not comment on reading down through it's like two, three minutes, you know. Obviously, he said a lot more than that. No, 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 you can't. No, 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 no. You can't just add what you think he said. It's recorded what he said. Oh, he probably said, you know, Jesus died for our sins, and the only way to uh, restore our fallen fellowship with God is by faith in what Jesus has done on our... You can't add all that. How do you know that? That, uh, Giving him every benefit of every doubt, I mean... So every time he opens his mouth, you've got to add all the things and the gaps where you think should what I don't I don't think it works like that. I think he I think it's a swing and a miss. He mentions a lot of stuff. Let's say we believe Jesus was raised from the dead, and we believe that God created us and that we shouldn't be idolaters, and He's made us all one one. I think most of us believe that anyway. And there's still people going to heaven, still people going to hell. When they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Because guess what? That happens. Um, still, Jesus, what, rose from the dead? Get up out of the tomb after three days? And they try to explain all the ways that could have happened. Then it probably didn't. But if it did, you know, swoon theory. Apostles came and stole them. I mean, it's, it's an old... And so some mocked. Some said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him believed, among which were Dionysius, <laughs> guy with a big name, Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So we have two and others, means at least two more, ostensibly more than two. So a handful of people joins up with Paul. Yay, uh, a lot of people in Thessalonica, a lot of people in Berea. Here he is in Athens, few people. Is that because they just made bad choices? Perhaps. Some believe. Now you wonder what, what, did they go follow him, get more, better? I don't know. Again, I don't want to presume and add too much more. I know that after this he goes to Corinth. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. Let's start in verse 1. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Hey, when I came, I didn't, I didn't, want, I didn't want to come like, you know, big wise guy and give, deliver this big whole, you know. Uh, it wasn't about man's wisdom. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's what I think. I think Paul realized in Athens he didn't get much of a response at all. And I think as he's reassessed, he's thinking, you know what? I think I didn't do so good. Have you ever done that? You've been talking with somebody. You're not preaching the gospel, you know, and with a microphone, slaving over a hot microphone. But you just, you're talking like people talk. And then later on you said, oh, I should have said this. I should have said, why didn't I say this? You know, I didn't even get around to, when he said, you know, I should have said, you do that, right? I think Paul does. I think we all do it. I think he says, you know what? I'm over quoting their poets, but I never get around telling them who Jesus was and why he came and why he died. That's what I think. 
So here he's in Corinth. He says, look, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I think that's a repentance from what just happened in Athens. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hey, I just came with the goods. Listen, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He's crucified. He rose again on the third day. This is what you got to know. I think, look, am I wrong or right about this? Big debate. Big debate. I want you to, I think our time is desperately short. I can make a case for that. Not today, not in the next minute. When you share with your friends and your family, don't have to try to be wise. Don't have to try to be brainy, outflank them with your amazing intellect. I know you got it. God won't bless your amazing intellect. He'll bless the Word of God. He does. He's, people are not impressed with us. The gospel will impress people. When they get it, the plain, ordinary gospel that seven and eight-year-olds can clearly articulate to one another, that's impressive. What? God loves me? He died for me? He gave his only begotten son? I might have eternal life? That's impressive. It, that, that changes hearts. You maneuvering in uh, your quotation of dead poets, I, 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 don't, I don't think God's blessing that. I don't think he's in that. You mean, what, I got to act like a bumpkin? Like a, a rube, like I don't know anything? Oh, I'm not saying God's blessing. God doesn't bless stupid. I mean, I'm not trying to put it that way. Have faith in the Word of God. The Word of God gives life. I'm not saying, you know, some of us have more intellect and some of us less, less intellect. I don't, think that's a, I don't think it's an intellectual thing. And who you are is who you are. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm not saying change, but the, but the Word of God is what gives life. Here, Paul, I, I, I think he's repented. I think he's not going to, we're never going to see him talk like that again. Some people say, this is his, just the best he's ever, I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And I think Paul would agree. I think from now on he says, no, let's just get to the heart of the message. So anyway, there you have it. So let's stand our Chapter 18 next week, he's going to Corinth, okay? Lots of interesting things happening at Corinth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our, this time. And Lord, I unapologetically, unapologetically say that we ought to just be sharing your word, not our opinion, not our brilliance. Uh, I think you saved by your word. Help us, Lord, to focus, to to give people what they need to hear. And we do have every confidence that you will bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. So our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear 
Where you're 